This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Yeah, you can, you can hear it now, can't you? Now? I can hear it in my ears. You can hear it. Can you hear it? Are you loud enough? Um, I don't think loud. you're not loud enough. Talk, keep talking, keep talking. Hello, hello, hello. Am I loud enough now? Am no, I, don't, now? I never know which one it is. Loud which one now? is it? Which one is this knob? Yes. That one, that one. Keep talking, keep hello. talking. Oh, I'm loud now, aren't I? Oh, oh, yeah, you're loud in your own ears. I want them loud in my ears. Keep talking. Oof. What? That's. This is not a beginning of a show. It is, it is actually. It is it is actually. Well, you're listening to Fan Club. <laughs> I, can you just get in here and sort it? Because uh, I can't do it and host a show. Uh, <laughs> sorry, co-host a show. My name is Nick Helm. And uh, my name is Nathaniel McCarthy. And you're listening to a very poorly fan, <laughs> f- club. fan club. I think we're um, both poorly. Everyone's poorly. I, I can't hear him. Have you turned him up? To communicate with me now, oh. I'm really loud in my ears. Uh, and normally that wouldn't be a problem, but uh, today, hello, hello, um, am I good? Uh, Can you hear me? Five, you're listening to five, <laughs> five star fan club. Um, <laughs> uh, if you if you've got any um, nice things to say about anyway, so my name's Nick Helmer. This is Nathaniel Metcalf, and you're that that fuck it. Hang on, Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar <laughs> Radio. <laughs> I'm ill, Nat's ill, uh, Natalie, Natalie is ill. Is Ill. Um, our guest coming on today has just emailed to say that he's not feeling very well uh, and he may be a fan club first sick on air so we're looking forward to that looking forward to that Never um, before. Uh, so, um, so uh, uh, the first rule of fan club is uh, tell, tell your friends. T- tell your friends about fan club. The second rule of fan club is please, for the love oh of God, God. T- tell your friends. And I haven't actually talked to Nat about this, but um, uh, what I was thinking was um, I was listening to the show, and, what, uh, and although we do ask for, we, we don't ask. I mean, it'd be begging, you know. If people want to go on iTunes and give us a five star sure. review, sure, go for it, guys, go for it. And do you know what? Um, if 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 your review cuts the muster, cuts, cuts the muster or cuts the mustard? Cuts the mustard, is it? Cuts the muster, cuts the muster or cuts the Master. mustard? Cuts the mustard. Oh. If your cuts the muster, cuts the mustard, cuts the muster. If your review cuts the mustard, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Sounds like someone's farted. Maybe <laughs> someone said, "Oh, who's got who's got the mustard?" <laughs> 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 If your review cuts the mustard, <laughs> it's like mustard, you? mustard, cuts the mustard. Uh, cuts the mustard. Yeah, but every time I touch the screen, it goes, oh, this is not a good start to a show, Natalie. I mean, you had a guy that came in the other week and he went around underneath all the desks and uh, he, I turned into my new character there. He went over all of the desks. He went over all of the desks, didn't he? Previewing one of your new characters coming up later. Previewing one of my new characters. One of, one of Nick's new... He's not a character, he's, he's a, guest. a guest. He's a guest man. Guest man. Oh, I'm feeling sort of man in the street. And he was walking past a rose bush. And I thought, I'll have him. So I went down and I jabbed him with my tail. And when I flew off, uh, my spike came out. My tail came out and it pulled out all my guts through my ass. That's and a clue. I'm, That's I'm a clue. Feeling, That's who it is. I'm feeling very tired and I don't think I'll be able to make the concert tonight. <sighs> my name is Stung. <laughs> oh, Stung. Stung, the lead singer of. <laughs> 
the Belize. <laughs> like the police, anyway, the, the, the B, B version. The Belize. The Belize. Yeah. Honey in a bottle, man. Nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stun came along and, uh, uh, you know, he did the uh, did the old uh, did the old uh, s- uh, title track for uh, Ridley Scott's new movie, and uh, then he came over. So Natalie, what happened was <laughs> um, keep your fan art coming in. So <laughs> so a guy came over and he unplugged all of the monitors, didn't he? And he blew on them all, blew on all the plug sockets like an old uh, sixteen or eight bit cartridge, and uh, <laughs> and he just plugged it all back together again. And now all of the screens come on and off whenever anything happens, whenever you breathe on it. Um, Not for you, actually, anything. But at the top of the screen, you're saying that you've cut the mustard, come up to expectations, reach the required standard. I guess in the olden days, mustard had to have a very high standard because they used to uh, put it on uh, put it on the old ships, and it would cover over the flavour of slightly off mutton. Cut the mutton. Is that right? Is it cut the mutton? No, it's cut mustard, mustard seed, which is hard to cut with a knife <coughs> on account of it being small and shiny. All right. Why cutting mustard has chosen as an example of high quality is unclear. There are no shortage of guesses. Mustard seed, which is... Oh, you've done that one. Mustard plants, which are tough and stringy and grow densely. Culinary mustard, which is cut, diluted and made more palatable by the addition of vinegar. Dried, dried mustard, mustard paste, paste which, which was usually used to coat meat and then dried to form a cut. No, it will be culinary mustard, like uh, cutting heroin, uh, which is cut, diluted, and made more palatable. But have, have you cut? Have you cut them? Do you cut the mustard? Have you made the mustard the finest mustard it could possibly be? Have you cut it with vinegar? And uh, yes, yes. And if have. you do that, we'd read out your... Uh... We've cut it with piss and vinegar to the very <laughs> highest standards of our abilities, which is fairly low, but uh, still, nevertheless, five stars. So, um, uh, we're not asking you to write in high reviews. <laughs> 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 I do find it funny. Uh, the tangents? No, not the tangents. <laughs> just how... <laughs> Uh, just how there's not been one <laughs> quality thing that's happened in the last six minutes. <laughs> oh no, Stung came in, didn't he? That's yeah, right. that's I'll right. tell you what we could talk about. Stung. Well, I had to, did have a point. Okay. Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, go on, do your point. Do your point. I was just thinking that maybe like a weekly thing that we could do, just like as we build the show, uh, is that um, uh, I always ask Nat what he's been a fan of this week. I don't always, but I try to <laughs> try to remember. Uh, and uh, he always asks me what I've been a fan of this week. But maybe what a good thing would be is um, uh, rather than you just uh, write in and uh, uh, sing our praises, which... Um, Obviously, we deserve. Uh, maybe you just write in and uh, tell us what you've been a fan of this week, the listener. Yeah. And uh, we can we can read out some of the more, more interesting picks uh, every week. And uh, maybe uh, me and Nat will learn a thing or two off you. Because really, the whole point of the show isn't that we know loads of stuff. It just so happens that we talk extensively about stuff that we know about. But one of the things about having um, uh, Elliot on last week was the fact that I know fuck all about a lot of things. Uh, sure. <laughs> Well, don't be too eager to agree with me, Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, as a collective, we. 
Yeah, and I think one of the nice things about doing this, and one of the nice things about fandom in general, is that it can, in the Venn diagram of uh, things that we're interested in, there is there are crossovers all the time of stuff that you don't know about. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to learn more. Uh, so why, every week, if you just tell us what you've been a fan of, and then um, we'll go away and we'll... We'll either listen to whatever you suggested or read up on it or whatever. We might not. It might just be absolute gash. but uh, <laughs> uh, Or cock. But uh, I don't know what the preferred term is. Um, I've just been looking at these tissues. I'm holding them up to the camera. Not that we'll use this bit. But it does very much look like there's three chilies on there that says they're the hottest tissues that you can use. <laughs> uh, they're actually just arrows pointing on uh, how to open the tissues, which fucking hell, if you need that, then... Um, just use toilet paper <laughs> um, yeah so uh, just uh, write in every week tell us what you're a fan of and uh, we'll try and expand our knowledge on things in the world and then maybe at the end of the year we can have a quiz where's the fucking quiz cards you haven't set this show up at all this week we were early as well unbelievable um <laughs> <laughs> um oh the screen's gone out alright then alright then uh, let it, but you're not going to fix it during a song. It's been like this for four weeks. If you were going to fix it, it would have happened by now. I can't believe that we're the only hosts of any of the shows here that has actually made a formal complaint about it on the air. Have people, have other people complained? Yeah, everyone's complained. You're not going to fix it during a fucking song. Actually, my song's five minutes six this week, so uh, maybe you can. <sighs> so, <laughs> I love you, Natalie. <laughs> Oh, God. What we have got, though, you've got your Levi Roots Caribbean crush. I do. Do you know why? I went over the sh- I swear that shop over the road is, uh, is, is, is a shop front for a drug den. Yeah. Well, it just runs out of stock and they never get replaced. They never get replaced. Listen, I bought some candy sticks for our guest today, 35p. And uh, this is, the, you know, candy sticks that mm. are like, um, they're the gateway candy for young smokers. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. So... It's only about four, isn't it? It's just dust and, and chalk. It's, uh, it's it's sad. Also, I think those candy sticks. What's the sell-by date of those candy sticks? Oh, do you think they're gone? Oh, what's the sell-by date? Best before end. Well, All right, say. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, oh, lovely. That's Caribbean Crush. Oh, if you could smell what I could smell. That's Caribbean Crush. Um, oh, the taste of the Caribbean. Mm. Oh, it's absolutely oh, it's absolutely disgusting if you brush your teeth. Um, oh. So um, yeah, so every time you go in there, and it's just like this, you buy something, and the next week you go in, there's just one less thing in there. Yeah. <laughs> and Eventually uh, they'll run out. I, I thought definitely. I haven't been in there in about oh, what four months. I thought mm. they'll definitely have replaced the Pepsi Max cherry. Sure. Nothing. Well, just an Nothing. empty hole where the Pepsi Max cherry. Yeah, they're just if anything, uh, they've stopped selling Pepsi. Products. It's like they've gone, oh, do you know what? This is a terrible idea. Because we've opened this shop. It's all been going well. But people keep buying stuff. <coughs> and, it, you know, it's a very finite business. What's the point in buying more? We're just going to run out again. Yeah. It's not worth it. Not worth it. He's having a breakdown, poor thing. River Road. Poor hen. <laughs> that is the... That is... What's that? That's green tea, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's not ginger. That tastes like green tea. I'm allergic to green tea. 
It makes my um, uh, thyroid gland expand. Oh, does it? Oh, it rhymes. Um, which is the only good thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is a pain in the neck. Oh. I don't think that is where your thyroid is, is it? I don't know. I don't understand geography of the body. Um, and speaking of geography of the body, we're going right into the anus this week. <laughs> <laughs> this week, the anus. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you one... Qu- oh, we've had that one. I'm going to ask you one quick question and then we'll get into it. Is it into the anus? Who plays Deadshot? Yeah, almost. In the 2016 movie Suicide Squad. 2016? I thought it was 2.50. No. I don't think we've had gone as far as that before. 2016. Oof. Oh. I thought yeah, it was right. Oh, but it might have been predicting the future. I guess they would have known by then, wouldn't they? Well, no, not really, because they could have cut him out like so much of the plot. Mm. Will, Will Smith. It was Will Smith. So what have you been a fan of this week, Nat? Well, what have I been a fan of? I watched... Uh, uh, oh no, no, I didn't watch that, did I? What did I watch? Hang on. We're both really ill. Hang on. I did make a little note. Uh, what have you been uh, doing? I mean, I when watched. I'm ill, what I do is uh, get home as soon as possible and I get into bed and then I just, I just veg out. I think I'm ill as of this morning, though. I think this is a new thing. Um, what I was going to talk to you about, though, was when uh, we were talking about stuff. Been stun. on so many cold and flu pills, extra strength. Oh. <sighs> thyroid is a butterfly shaped gland Come on. that sits low in the front of the neck so it probably would be a pain in the neck yeah. <sighs> what have you been a fan of this week uh, I was saying we were talking about stung earlier stung and shaggy and I was thinking stung and shagged the end of the era of people doing songs for movies it seems to be over right and you think of stung uh, Brian Adams and who was the other one? Oh, uh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Rod Steiger. Who did? Ryan Adams and Stung. <laughs> all for one. All for one. All from for the love. Three Musketeers from the 1990s. One for all and all for love. That's what it was called. 1993? Four? It was sort of a sequel. I think it was 90. I'd say 90. Oh, Jesus. Was it 93? It was sort of a sequel to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. It was like in everything that it was just like uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was uh, Morgan Creek and uh, Diz, uh, Warner Brothers, and uh, Three Musketeers was Disney. Disney, isn't it? and it was kind of like right. Well, we get the cast. Uh, we get a young cast. It was basically um, fucking Kiefer. Sutherland, no, fucking Christian Slater from Young Guns Two was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And then they got sort of like Kiefer Sutherland from Young Guns, Young Guns 2 to be in it. And it's sort of like, it was the Brat Pack version mm. of The Three Musketeers. Uh, so who was it? It was Oliver Platt, obviously Oliver Platt. the t- teenager Oliver Platt, <laughs> uh, playing Porthos. Uh, yes, Porthos. Uh, then it was Kiefer Sutherland playing uh, Aramis, was it? The romantic so, one, yeah. the troubled romantic lead. And then uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, playing uh, Porthos, Orthos, Aramis. Athos. Yeah. Aramis. No, I think Charlie Sheen was Aramis, the uh, romantic one. Uh, uh, Oliver Platt was the Oliver Reed uh, substitute. And then, yeah. And then Chris O'Donnell playing um, fucking what's it called? D'Artagnan. And then, uh, what year was it? You haven't looked it up. We've been stalling for ages. Uh, 1993, just type up the information that we need. Talking to me while I'm talking does not help the show. Um, let's, let's come up with a system. <laughs> not on air. <laughs> Michael Wincott is in both. 
He is Michael Wincott, of course. And then they were, then they some um, uh, it's obviously got Tim Curry in it, who does the excellent. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's, it's, it's not a very good film. It's a terrible film. Good All one, for one and more for me. <laughs> that's what he says. Um, doing his best, Alan Rickman. Doing his yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is, isn't it? There's mm. kind of like it's a like for like uh, recasting. Uh, with uh, all of the musketeers having a quarter of the personality each of <laughs> Kevin Costner and um, uh, sorry thanks for that um, I'm not really allergic to green tea I just hate it um, but um, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, and then and then yeah then they got Brian Adams they were just like right well it's going to pretty much be the same thing so we'll get Brian Adams today. I think it's a nice idea in actual fact rather than doing sequels to the th- it's like the Disney model where it's yeah, just kind like, of like, like for like oh we did another what we'll do another fairy tale thing like old old Disney hammer um, hammer going don't Frankenstein we get the same cast or the same sort of cast, and then well, I, th- I really like that idea. They could have kept going, but it was you know different companies, and obviously the second attempt was a pile of shit. Um, yeah, how do we get onto that? Well, we're talking about I was talking about the the uh, the way that that idea of having a song for a film, well, a tie-in song, seems to be over now. Well, speaking of that sort of stuff, uh, Legend, the Tom Cruise Ridley 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 Scott <laughs> Ridley Scott. Yeah, that's right, Ridley Scott. There Rick, he is. Scott, man. I'm another Geordie. Both from the same part of the world, yeah. So I was hanging out with Stone, me insect friend, and I thought, shall we go over there? So Who's cl- this then? This is Wrigley. Is this Wrigley? Yeah, I climbed on his back, and he flew me over there, and I did an aerial shot. And now you know that aerial shot ended up in Kingdom of Heaven. It's with Swiss Weech. Probably the most critically lambasted movie, but <laughs> it's actually one of my faves. Check out the director's cut. Well, I'll get the DVD. Ah, yeah, hey, get the DVD, man. Ah, stick it on Blu-ray. Oh. <coughs> stick it on laser disc. Why well, I like going on laser disc? <laughs> Whack the laser disc on, and I hop on. One side of the laser disc, and I get quite a workout. It's like so being on a treadmill. You have to change discs, didn't you, halfway through? Oh, it's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you that for now. I don't know. <laughs> don't know exactly. Don't know exactly uh, how long it is. Right, frame for frame. I get confused between the different cuts. <laughs> but I know that the uh, I know that the theatrical cut was like two and a half hours. Right. But my original cut, you never guess, four hours plus. But I, I forget what we had to actually call it out to, to end up on the disc. You actually have got between <laughs> Stug and Shaggy now. I'm Wrigley. Wrigley, yeah, of course. Of course, Wrigley. I'm Wrigley. <laughs> oh, anyway. Is Stug about? Is he about as well? <laughs> you have a chat? Hey, hey, I'm about. I'm about. I'm feeling very tired. I'm feeling very tired. Oh, because I saw the... So a wee child walking past a walking past a field field of gold, <laughs> field which had actually oh, transpired to be daisies, okay. and I flew on down, and I jabbed him with my tail, <laughs> and as I flew off, uh, all your arsehole didn't go all in, did my it? guts fell out my arsehole. <laughs> okay. Now I'm feeling very tired, and I'm gonna need a sit down. Oh, I'm stung. <laughs> It's nice that you it say your good. name after each after each time you do. Lots of impressionists always used to do that, didn't they? 
right, Stephen Seagull. It's not your turn, is it? Yes, it's RT, RTDG. RTDG. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, God. A lot of uh, the characters, just a lot of the characters. Do you reckon we could get an animated series out of this? That's as bad as any Parkinson interview where he's interviewing an impressionist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it was uh, Margaret Thatcher <laughs> who uh, said, uh, I shall not answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right, Michael. Uh, very, good. very good. Uh, very, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> So, the freshness is always awful on chat shows. So, they? so Rory, uh, tell me what it was like uh, f- coming up with your first impression. So, so, Rory, tell me what it was like coming up with your first impression. <laughs> no, 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 now stop that, Rory. <laughs> no, now stop that, Rory. So, no, stop, stop copying everything that I'm doing. Stop, Rory, everything I'm doing. Just imagine. I mean, that's that was uh, that was the impression of Michael Parkinson. Oh, good. Uh, interviewing a teenage Rory Bremner. <laughs> Very badly behaved. Okay, so... What do you reckon? So I was saying that the film Legend directed by me. <laughs> That's right, you are, yeah, yeah. So Legend, Legend. The film Legend did I mean there were two versions of it. A one of them, version. One of them had a soundtrack by uh, was it John Barry? Okay, I don't, I don't think it was John Barry. It was okay. uh, someone. Uh, what? Uh, who did the soundtrack to Legend? There was the English version, which <laughs> which had directed, which was like it was about. Um, oh, it was anyway. There was two versions of it. Anyway, Brian Ferry did the soundtrack to the American version. Oh, right, okay. Tangerine Dream did the soundtrack, and, John, and Brian Ferry did. Uh, a song for it. A song for it. And there's a music video for it. Which is fucking mental if you think about it. Because it's a sword and sorcery. Sandra goes and lose John and... Yeah, but who did the fucking... Oh, and dear. Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry from Roxy Music. Did. So it's Tangerine Dream doing the main... Yeah, but it was... Uh, it, was uh, it was uh, It was originally uh, um, a thing. I was... Oh, I don't know how I'm feeling about you. Wrigley Scott's feeling a bit ill now. Who did the soundtrack? This is just us asking. This, we might, yeah, but it's not on the screen. It's just like Jerry Goldsmith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was, obviously did... Uh, didn't he do Batman Forever? I think he did do Batman Forever. Uh, is he not Jerry Goldsmith? Is, also, is he also uh, the Magnificent Seven, is he? Because I think he goes back a bit, doesn't he? Let's not let's not do that. Let's just do stuff that we know we about because know it's about. just absolutely painful <laughs> waiting for it to type it in, and it's it's just you know if we were able to just um, he can play scores for such a touch. Oh, uh, that's great! Oh no, uh, fuck it! Oh, I'm playing they it did a few, didn't they? They did a good. Uh, uh, yeah, but let's not bother reading them out. It's boring. So, um, uh, so what have you been a fan of this week? Nat? Legend. You watch Legend? No, I didn't watch Legend. Um, <laughs> I thought about songs, songs from... I was trying to think what the last one was, the last one. Could it have been the last one that had a proper music video that I can think of is the one where it's Puff Daddy for Godzilla. 1998? That might be the last one I can remember. 
You the last two one you did can one. remember. Last you two did one for like Tomb Raider, didn't they? Did they? What was that one? I'm all digging in a hole. Yeah, that's the one. Dig a hole. Elevation. Yes, elevation. That wasn't from Tomb Raider, was it? Was it not? I don't think so. I think no, I think it was. He's calling Angeline Jolie, Lara Croft, a mole digging in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that. P Diddy's come with me. What's that, that? What's that from, though? I mean, what's Godzilla. Godzilla. Um, but yeah, Jamiroquai was uh, from both Godzilla. Of them, both of them were. Jamiroquai. It was the. It was, what is that? I mean, that's weird, isn't it? Jamiroquai. They were a big thing. Big deal for a while. Could do. You know, they were so big they could do Godzilla soundtracks. Deep at one Underground point. is a genuinely fucking good song. And also, I got a girlfriend back uh, with a Jamiroquai song once. What were you singing it to her? No, I played it out the room, and uh, she had to come running back in. It was uh, half the man I used to be, okay. which was quite. Uh, I mean, there was a, there was a whole time when it was all right to like Jamiroquai. Was there? <laughs> <laughs> well, the videos were good. They had a big hat, didn't they? They had a big hat. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all, all right. It's, it's all, all right, very, it? it's all very easy, isn't it, to look back on your youth and think, what the fuck? But oh. Four Jamiroquai albums. Three of them were the same one. I'll tell you. <laughs> Jules Holland always stayed loyal to him, though, didn't he? Always stayed loyal. I think he still does it, doesn't he? Jules Holland. Very loyal. Very loyal man. Still gets loads of people on where you go. I mean, that seems a weird booking. What, Jamiroquai and Jules Holland? Mm. Jules Holland will go uh, wherever uh, the mood takes him. Wherever the music takes him. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh, I remember Alice Cooper on Jules Holland. That was incredible. Oh, was he? Yeah, they just had like that, basically, because you know it's all done on the flat, flat sound stage. Yeah, and they had all of these amps, and the amps were like from floor to ceiling. It was just really cool. And everyone came out the woodwork and they said, "Oh, I saw Alice Cooper on Jules Holland." And, and some people, you know, put, burnt it onto a disc for me and stuff like that. It was just like, yeah, oh wow. It's just really kind. People's kindness came out of the woodwork in a good way, I mean. <laughs> it sounded like, oh, hey, okay, and crawling. Um, yeah, it's really lovely. What, what era was that? What year was that would be? That would have been like 2012, I think. And it was a thing where people went, I actually quite <coughs> liked it. Was that it? I think that people have a very clear idea. I'm not going to go in to talk about him again, but um, people have a very clear idea of who he is. I think that's a lot of things. That's a lot of things about other people's fandom, things that people are... Um, fans of you have a very clear idea of what it is and then when you actually like Star Trek it looks impenetrable from the outside and I'm not a, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan but I am a fan of the the original I'm a, I'm a fan of three of the original six Star Trek films <laughs> and uh, and what I like about them is the comedy and the characters and their interaction with each other uh, and that is kind of like that's a surprise because from the outside you think it's impenetrable. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's funny. It seems quite po-faced and, and I think serious. Actually, later on, that's what it did become. Mm. And what? It, and also, there's so many like, oh no, I don't give a shit about it. So confusing. I don't give a shit about it. It's like what happened with the X Files. I used to really love the X Files. Watched the first few seasons, and every so often there'd be a um, an episode that went over two episodes or something like that. Yeah. And then it got to the point that if you missed an episode, 
I just uh, discovered yeah, yeah. alcohol. I just I was a teenager and I just discovered drinking. I think it was on Thursday nights and sometimes you'd go out, I'd go out on a Thursday night and then uh, you'd miss an episode and then you'd come back to it and it'd be like, what the fuck is going on this week? And then it was just, oh, do you know what? I'm going to give up. Um, Taylor's old as time. Uh, yeah, and I think that's, that sort of doesn't happen so much now. But what happens is things get boiled down to the elements and then you go, you know... Um, what's the big surprise for you? What's something that you've seen that's completely kind of like... Changed? That I thought would be terrible and it turned out to be good. Well, it's just, uh, just um, surpassed your expectations. Mm. Mm. I was thinking something like Dirty Dancing, where you think it's just going to be... Uh, especially because it came out in 1987, 1980... Mm. I remember uh, the first uh, time I saw Pretty Woman, I thought, oh, it's not going to be any good. Yeah. I think I'm like that with a lot of romantic comedies, because I think, you know... You just think, oh, this won't be any good. When you see them, you go, God, that's great. It's brilliant. I think they sort of had a, you know, just being, just being, I guess, a boy in the world. Flirty, being a bit like, I'm not watching this. Flirty Fancing. It's uh, Dirty Dancing. I think there should be a sequel to Dirty Dancing called Rude Moves. Um, <laughs> my, uh, dirty Dancing. Yeah, I would say The Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing, and they're among some of my favourite films. Uh, some kind of wonderful... Uh, but I don't know why that, I don't I don't know why that's a surprise really. They're just good they're good films, aren't they? Mm. Um, oh, you know what? I've, I think it's because it's like heavy metal. Everyone thinks that I'm really into heavy metal. I'm not. I like some heavy metal, but I like you know. I like a wide variety of music. Um, but you're very melodic, aren't you? You've still got that kind of thing. You still like that kind of music. I like yeah. I mean, I was saying last week. I like early Beatles music. I like I like songs that have uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and that's what that's the sort of music that I write. You like to hear the words, don't you? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> hear the words. Well, it's, it is interesting because coming from a comedy writing point of view, uh, the words are really important, mm. and so when you're writing a comedy song. Um, or a song that's... Oh, I don't like comedy songs. No, I don't. But I guess there's a difference, isn't there? There's comedy songs and there's songs that are funny. Yeah. And I think it's got to be a song first. And then... Um, and it's got to be an original composition. Yeah. Um, there's only a very few people that can get away with doing kind of... Uh, changing the words. Changing the words for stuff. Um, uh, yeah. Hendu on a on a train Rachel Paris did that which is basically Starry Starry Night mm. I mean yeah that should that's that's like ticks all the boxes of what you shouldn't do really but it's really good I really enjoy it um, but um, thinking just thinking about it yeah I don't I don't really like that style in particular but you know as I say Rachel does it well um I think yeah, it can be because done. she does original songs. Is the thing. Yeah. So it's just. And I think they like should sound like sort of almost like pastiche or something first. So it should sound like there's a definite. Yeah, it should be a song first that feels like it's part of, could be part of the. Canon. But I also think that if the, <laughs> if the like for like is so good, that you can't pass it up, then you go oh, okay. You got to allow it, you know. Anyway, I don't want to go off on one about like I don't want to <laughs> shit on my own doorstep. <laughs> but, um, but basically, yeah, I really love I really love uh, simple songs that basically, you know. Also, the structure of a classic Beatles song is perfect for a comedy song because it's um, you know you do um, so much set up payoff set up. It's a classic rule of three. We go set up. 
payoff, set up, oh, set up chorus, set up chorus, and then you've got like a middle eight, and then you've got like the payoff where you do a twist, mm. and then like he mentioned it fat was a song that I wrote, and then that's kind of like, uh, you know, the first verse is all is all set up, and then the second verse is kind of like takes the story on a bit, and then the third verse is like a twist. And the, the, that's like the structure of a joke, and it's mm. like really simple verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Uh, I don't think there's a bridge in that. Um, and so, you know, um, I would say like something that I watched when I was uh, like Die Hard. In the, in well, not like Die Hard. Fucking hell! How fucking meatheaded is this? But. Um, but it's like one of those things when you play, you're in the playground and you think something is going to be worse than it is. Like the posters for Nightmare on Elm Street used to fuck me up on the tube. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when you finally see it, you go, God. Like, what was it? What was it? Um, I, was, I was thinking about films that are essentially they're like kids' films. Um, the difference between Aliens and Alien 3. Whereas Aliens, yeah, it's got some subtext about being a mother and all of that, but essentially... It's an action film. It's an action-adventure film that, if it wasn't gory, a kid could watch that. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, there's, there's elements of horror in it, but, it's, but basically it's a roller coaster ride, and at the end of it it's got a happy ending, and, uh, and it's, not, it's not complicated. There's yeah. very kind of like thinly drawn good guys and bad guys, and um, it's like children's Saturday morning cartoon stuff, whereas Alien 3 is a very complicated film, which is very dark, not, uh, very depressing. I mean, quality aside, it's the sequel to a film that's basically a Saturday morning kids show, and then everything about that is just kind of like disintegrated, and you yeah. go, fucking hell. It's and very both, grown up in that way. It's kind of like a, it's like a sort of, all oh, right, a, it's a film. I've got to watch this properly. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it, but it's, it's not like it's an art house film, but it's a it's a. It, Aliens is gory, so it's an 18, but it's, it's, it's basically made for idiots. I'm not saying that it's shit in any way. Aliens is a great film, mm. but it's kind of like it's a film that anyone can it's watch and understand. Film. Mainstream, okay, idiots, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of like um, there's, nothing, there's nothing complicated about it. Everyone can watch it. It's kind of like a thing, and... Um, and and Alien 3, not that you have to be super intelligent to watch it, but it is kind of like uh, an acquired taste. Mm. Very much like an anchovy or an olive. <laughs> you can grow to love it, uh, but you'll never <laughs> prefer it to chocolate. Although some people do, which is the crazy thing. It's crazy. There's people out there, <laughs> people out there that prefer olives and anchovies to, you know, chocolate. Um, uh, I, I don't know what the world's coming to, really, sometimes. <laughs> Um, um, oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, the, the star of Alien, Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was thinking about Alien in the way, and but how that was, I guess. I feel that that became a star franchise, didn't it? Because I think it became kind of. They always wanted to go any Weaver back. I was watching some stuff. There's a guy on YouTube called Oliver Harper who um, basically does all of these um, retrospective reviews. Um, and they're, uh, they're, they're, yeah, I, re I think that he's, he does, does documentaries. He did a documentary about Superman 4 where... Um, 
basically Superman 4 was filmed in Milton Keynes doubling as yes, it was, yeah. uh, doubling as Metropolis or New York <laughs> and he just went around Milton Keynes interviewing all the people he's got really <laughs> high production values and he's and he's made a few like online documentaries I'd like to get him on as a guest we've sort of been in contact with each other a bit on Twitter and um, I really love his videos so here's a Superman shout out Superman 4 was the first film as a kid where I watched it and realised that films could be bad yeah yeah and I, and I remember like going in going and it was like totally blew my mind when you're watching it going oh super a new Superman film and you get to see it so it's cinema and it's like new Superman film at cinema yes please first one I've seen at cinema and just being sort of bewildered by it and everything was like and there was, there's a bit in it where he never even turns into Superman on screen he will leave shot and come back as Superman and there's even a bit where he goes to tear his shirt and it cuts away and you think could they not afford a shirt <laughs> <laughs> but it's that sort of awareness of it when you're like eight and going wait a minute and that sort of all these sort of things just feel like how, how is this possible how is this a bad it's film it's crazy it's crazy I mean it's like when you watch it, it there's kind of like there's absolutely no effort put into uh, just high, he goes to the moon and the backdrop is space and there's no effort to disguise the fact that it's a black cloth it's like they basically filmed it in a school drama studio and there's a black cloth in the background and you can see it's black cloth and it's not like oh with you know ret- retrospectively with hindsight you look back on it and it goes oh those special effects are dated yeah. they've basically doubled out of space for a black sheet and um, yeah it's just uh, Superman 4's got a really interject- interesting production but I would watch the Oliver Harper thing um, how do we get onto the Oliver Harper thing because uh, he was talking about all of the different so the original um Alien 3 was going to be, uh, Ripley was going to still be in cryogenics and it was going to follow. They were worried about the fact that there weren't enough men. Basically, it was a male fan base for Alien. And they said, right, well, um, rather than have a female lead, we'll have her in cryosleep and then we'll make the third one about um, uh, Michael Bean. Oh, right, OK. And... Um, I think we're low, but I mean, Alien Three has got such a huge production history that you know. Um, I just think that, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where you go, uh, who? Uh, it's difficult to know who Alien Three is for. Mm. Um, and I just think Alien Resurrection is. I hated it at the time. I hated it at the time. So much. Me and I had a friend at school, and we fell out over how much we hated. Alien Resurrection. This is true. We fell out over it, and um, uh, and we didn't really. Our friendship never recovered. Really, I mean, we were so passionate about it, and he died a few years later, and we never we never made up over it. One of my big regrets. That's sad. You know. Um, there you go. Uh, I mean, what are you pulling that face for? Two, two. Uh, sorry. Should I get one of our special guests back in? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so keep it light. Uh, but, um, but yeah, let that be a thing. It's interesting. To, it's good to have opinions. It's, it, is good. it is good to have opinions about stuff. And I think that what we forget about in the age of the internet is that everyone thinks that their opinions are the only things that matter. Mm. When in actual fact, human interaction is the thing that really matters. And they're just, it's just films. You can get upset about Star Wars. You can get upset about uh, people are kicking off over the new He-Man. 
It's like forty-year-old men going, "Oh, he's not my He-Man. He's not my He-Man. Prince Adam, maybe, but not He-Man." And you're just like, "Get a fucking life, honestly. Get a fucking life." It's a cartoon series that was de- that was designed to sell toys that were only made because uh, uh, they were designed for Conan the Barbarian. They realised it was an adult film, so they had to repackage them as kids' films. The cartoon series was just designed so that they could sell the product, and now you're getting all precious over. Fucking hell, give the kid a chance. They're like, and he's in romantic comedies, he can't be He Man. And you go, that's he's an actor. Mm. Or I don't know, I've not seen him in anything, I don't know what his range is, but he's just in some Netflix romantic comedy. Give him a fucking chance. I always think that way. You you're do. a 40, 50 year old man <laughs> and you're shitting on a 22 year old's future. It's just like, get a fucking life. It's He Man, you fucking prick. There's already been one terrible He Man film. I think you'll survive another one, you cunt. Fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. I can't remember who uh, he is. Uh, who's the new actor playing? I can't remember. Can we, anyway, we can. Google the cunt. So go. there we, we go. That. That's what we can do. Um. Um, <laughs> what, were you, what were your final thoughts on this, Nat? <laughs> final thoughts? Um, yeah, I think... I, I, I was thinking I always quite liked uh, Alien Resurrection when I saw it, but I haven't seen it since 1998. And I don't know if I ever want to when see it. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just awful. I mean, it was just like... the t- like I, what You can say what you like about Alien 3, right? I think that... I think, oh, we've probably said this before. The, the first three Alien films, they're all wildly different from each other, mm. but they're within the same universe. And the fourth Alien film is kind of like, it's just this ridiculous, weird blend of um, just really gloopy gore effects, quite an unpleasant storyline, um, uh, bad special effects and comedy. And characters that don't have any depth to them whatsoever. And the thing that I would say about the first Alien is that the the character work in that is just some of the best. I mean, they've basically made a Francis Ford Coppola film in space. Mm-hmm. And then um, with Aliens, it's kind of like... It's the characters are thinly drawn, but they're very precisely drawn where you know exactly which char- who the characters are within a couple of lines of dialogue. And then... Yeah, everyone looks exactly the same as each other in Alien 3. It's very difficult to tell who's, who's who. But that's also to do with the, the studio edit. And then with Alien Resurrection, they kind of do what um, James Cameron does, only really badly, where they all have like a line of dialogue, but it's so cheesy, and they're really hamming it up so much. Like, like, like there's nobody in charge of quality on that film. And I just think it's just... I really hated it. Really, really <laughs> hate it. Pr- I think I probably prefer... Uh, well, I definitely prefer Prometheus to it, but um, you know what, Nat? I don't want this show to be negative. N- not negative. This show. <laughs> We're both approaching forty. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's all very well to make fun of people getting upset about he man, but fucking hell, we're not that different, we're not are that we? Different. Um, well, I'm going to play a song. This 
one has a skull, but it don't have a face. These look like the arms of my father, so strong. And the ring on this finger means my grandmother's gone. Nick and Nat's fan club on Food Bar Radio. Got to the whole track right at the end. Listen to the whole track, otherwise, what's the point in playing it? Uh, it's Alice Cooper, <laughs> Nick, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, so stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street. I was. Uh, so I used to think that um, I had a friend who was older than me that used to report back once he'd been to the cinema, and um, uh, and so I used to live vicariously through him, but all the films, and I used to think that <laughs> it was called uh, The Predator. <laughs> I used to get my films mixed up. Like Terminator, Predator, Predator. Um, what have I seen? What have, you seen? have you seen anything interesting this week? Not really. I've not. not uh, I've just gone through my list, and there's nothing particularly uh, fascinating. I watched uh, Cloud Atlas, but it's probably only worth talking about if you've seen it. No, well, uh, so that's the Wachowskis, right? Yeah. Um, it's got Tom Hanks in it. It's got Tom Hanks. And Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Oh, you watched it past part of your Hugh Grant Hugh season, Grant is it? season. Yeah. It's, it's, it, not, it, it's not bad. Does it's it live up baffling. to Hugh Grant's other films? It's, yeah, it's the same. It's, it's very much like a lot of Hugh Grant's other films. It's totally baffling. Who else is in it? Jim Broadbent. Yeah. Uh, so everyone on. plays multiple parts across multiple different eras of time, including from the past into the far future. Yeah. Uh, and it is strange but it's got like a it's got a chutzpah to it so like even like it's like it's quite jolly it's got quite a jolly tone to it so it's kind of a bit more um it's not it's not difficult to watch except at the end of it you're like i've basically barely any i mean you sort of think i've barely any idea about that but if you went what i think it's about is this i think when you read anything up on it it does seem to be that is what it's about. Yeah, I've just, just I've started, mm, I've decided to start taking stuff at face value. Yeah, and I think that is what it's meant to be. Because I realised that um, you can really unlike a film. Mm. Uh, I think what it is, it's the multiple short films that are all edited together, and each one sort of has some sort of influence. It's basically all set. They're basically different stories from the same universe. It's based on a novel, isn't it? Yeah, and so they are, and it's how the effects of a story that might have happened hundreds of years ago will have some impact on a story that will take place in that future, in the future of that story, and how th- that story will have an impact on another story. And it's, it's a guess about how all your actions will essentially influence things that you'll never know about. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what it's about. I definitely want to see it. I just never really loved the Wachowskis, no. except for Bound. I loved Bound, their first film. Hmm. Was it the first film? It's the yeah. first one. That, but then I was never a massive fan of the Matrix. But who you didn't have to be. Nineteen ninety nine was a good year. We've talked about hmm. that. But then, so I didn't feel like oh, I didn't like the Matrix. I didn't feel particularly left out. But it was. I mean, the one problem I had with the Matrix was that. If you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. And then there's that huge sequence where they go around shooting all the security guards. And you go, <laughs> they're really killing them, though, because it's not like they're killing computer. <laughs> also, I thought the Matrix would be more interesting if it was filmed like it was the real world. 
Everything was yeah. in like blacks and greens and stuff. And you go, yeah, well, it's like a computer world. But I always thought that it would be more interesting if they were trying to convince us that, you know, I guess like Inception. The real world is... Like the real world is what we're living in, you know. Um, uh, so I just thought it was... I know that it being stylized was its big selling point at the time. But um, I just, that was one of the things that I thought, oh, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, I thought it was going to be like, oh. our world is the fake world that we live in. And we've just bought tickets to go and see this film called The Matrix, but we're actually, you know, and if you yeah. scratch beneath the surface of our world, but really it was much more kind of um, allegorical. But Trask, you see, they are an odd one because it's like then, like all their films have something about them which are like really interesting and like, they're, it's like they're, they're often almost really good, I think. And they've got like, at, at, at some level, they are like they're sort of on it. I really like um, Speed Racer. Has that thing where you go, it looks amazing, and it looks so much like what they're trying to do. And yet you're watching it, and you go, God, it's boring. Now it made me. Well, I don't know. I never got into it because of the, it just made me feel ill. Like, well, I uh, think that is it part, made me yeah. feel like Batman and Robin. You know, where. Um, but obviously, I think it's done better than Batman Robin. But I felt I, I, I couldn't see the it point. Was like, it's a, yeah, it's a real exercise in that sort of product. It's also, I didn't have any. Like, I didn't have any connection. I didn't have per, any personal connection to Speed Racer. Yeah, and uh, but like if you if you look at something like um, the Robert Rodriguez Frank Miller Sin City, and you go, oh yeah, it's exactly like the comics, and you go, well, what's the point though of just doing a thing that's so much like that? I think you get that from Watchmen. It's just totally, yeah, same thing. When you watch, it's totally I, stylized. I, I really but you don't. I really enjoyed Watchmen, but then when you watch it, you go, there's nothing that you get out of this that you wouldn't have got out of the book. And then yeah. also the changes, you go, why did you change that? And then you end up watching it just getting hung up on the... But yeah. not like in a I'm an obsessed fan kind of way. Just yeah. I had to do a Watchmen comedy night, and so I read the Watchmen book. I'd never read it before, so I read the Watchmen book, and I finished it the day of the gig, and then on the day of the gig, I went and watched the film, and then from the film, I went straight on stage. And so when I was watching it, I was just there going, why, why did I change that bit? And what's that bit about? And then I've never watched it since. I got it on Blu-ray because I thought, oh, I really like that film. And I did like the film. But um, I just never watched it since. Uh, what else did the Wachowskis do? They did uh, the three Matrix films. They did Speed Racer. They, they, then he seems to... Because I think they're... Even Cloud Atlas is only... It's like co-directed by one of them. And, and the other one, it's... it's it's co-directed by Tom Taikwa, who I think <coughs> I did Run Lola Run. So it's like it. Run Lola that, Run Run's incredible. Yeah, it's, I think it's that guy. But that's another film that I haven't watched since it came out. <coughs> and I thought that was a spin-off from The Fifth Element <laughs> 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 at the time, you know, because of the hair. <laughs> uh, and uh, Thingy was then, was it? Or co-directed by them was V Vendetta. So it's got well, that, that was started by someone else, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think <coughs> all that. I feel like a lot of their projects are right. I don't know what kind of what they've done, which is just them and not, not like well, them Matrix, working with but a, they, were like, they produce it or they have some sort of influence on it. Or they were they, like the golden children, though, weren't they? Yeah, the they could Matrix, have done anything. And then they did do anything, and it turned out that their instincts were fucking awful. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't, can't really have much of an opinion on them. I just that I really like Bound, and then nothing else that they've ever done has really done it for me. But mm. I haven't watched everything. Well, did they do Jupiter Ascending? Yeah. That's a <coughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I never saw that. Though. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd sort of given up by then. Um, so what I, what, uh, I watched this week, uh, The Highwaymen, starring Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson on Netflix. Okay. 
Uh, and as soon as it came up, it said, oh, Kim Costner's made a film, a uh, period film, where he plays one of the cops that hunted down Bonnie and Clyde. And straight away, I was like, yep. And you know when you go on Netflix and it takes you fucking ages of fucking around to find something that you want to watch? Yeah. And I think it was on Saturday and uh, I switched Netflix on and the first thing that came up was Highwaymen. I was like, yep. And I pressed it before the, even the trailer came on and I started watching it. And straight away, I loved it. Oh, yeah. Um, that sounds like a good... <clears throat> Yeah, it's good. well. They mentioned Wyatt Earp quite early on. It's basically it's the old days of, um, uh, of law enforcement, of the old style of law enforcement. Where, when you get like a posse and you go down and hunt people down, and uh, they like talk about Wyatt Earp, and then you're also really so you've got Kevin Costner, who's what in his sixties, who's playing an old kind of. He's not a cowboy. He's like an old kind of like detective yeah. kind of. Um, uh, Law enforcer, what do you call them? The kind of um, there's something that was uh, post cowboys, but not sheriff. Or not sheriff, um, but they sort yeah, it's marshal. Yeah, like a marshal, right? And the kind of guys that they get they get together like a posse of people and they go around and they hunt them down. And um, his glory days are behind him. His glory days are behind him, and um, uh, he's like. It's like that classic being asked out of retirement for one, for one last job. But basically, he is um, he's at that point in his career that the guy who played Wyatt Earp would be, you know? Mm. <clears throat> but he's also the guy that played Elliot Ness. And he's also the guy that played uh, uh, Jim fucking, what's his name? Yes, uh, the JFK guy. JFK guy. What's his name? It begins with a G. So obvious. Yeah. Oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Is this, is this radio? Jim. 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 Jim Garrison. Jim Garrison. Yeah. Um, it does already sound like an old-style Kevin Costner movie. So it's like... And also, it's, it feels really similar to Perfect World in yeah. many respects, where it's just all of these things where it's just kind of like, it's Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner. Uh, and he's like, it's basically only the guy that could have had his career of doing, like, westerns, you know, postmodern westerns um, and uh, detective films and kind of a love of kind of period movies. Like, Kevin Costner was... Someone was saying... Uh, that Kevin Costner was kind of like basically is that is the actor that was born to play uh, period you know mm. like he like Hidden Figures is probably one of my favourite films that I've seen in the last couple of years like new films Hidden Figures if you've not seen Hidden Figures it's about um, the black women that helped NASA get into space that were basically uh, largely written out of history and Kevin Costner plays like a mentor character in that and um that's an incredible film. And it's really, he's just like one of those guys that you put in a film and instantly you've got like a setting for it. Mm. Uh, and, it and I think like a lot of his other films where he's like playing uh, modern day, mm-hmm. there's a period of time where he's perfect. You know, go too far back forward. You go too far, too far back. Medieval times, Robin Hood, no. <laughs> and you go too far forward and you've got Waterworld, you go no. <laughs> and modern day, it's just kind of like No Way Out is an incredible film. Um, but uh, so yeah, so you have got this Kevin Costner playing kind of period in this film, and you go, that's great. And Woody Harrelson has become, I think, one of my most favourite actors 
just don't think that anything with him in is worth a watch. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of like come a bit out of left field for me because I didn't realise how much I loved Woody Harrelson until quite recently when you go, oh, he's good in everything. When Three Billboards, he, I think he's by far and away the best thing in Three Billboards. Just an amazing performance. And... Uh, like a spin on his Woody Harrelson kind of persona where it's kind of he's bringing something completely new and different to something that's really familiar I think he's um, really I, I I'm not sure how underrated he is now because people are kind of like putting him in yeah, stuff well. but I think uh, for a long time he was uh, the guy out of White Men Can't Jump and Cheers um, so hmm, I remember when he was casting Natural Born Killers and it was like what? You've done what? That's like um, so so that's the setup. you've got um Kevin Costner playing that kind of character. And then I stopped it after about 20 minutes and uh, my friend was texting me. And uh, she said, uh, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching um, this Kevin Costner thing. And she goes, oh, that's going to be terrible. And she sent me the Guardian review and it got one out of five stars. And then I was just like, oh, do you know, I was really enjoying it. It was a Saturday. I spent the whole of Saturday in my flat, my new flat. Um, and I just didn't worry about unpacking anything. I was watching a film. And then all of a sudden you realise that you're watching this film that you're actually really enjoying. And it's got one star. It's like 25 minutes into it. And I was really enjoying it. And I couldn't work it out. I'm sure I've heard people this week on social media being like, oh, I saw that. That was good. I started watching it again. Uh, you know, picked it back up again after about a half hour break, and then it and it tainted the film. And I was kind of completely kind of like, going, well, what is there to not like about it? I don't want to be an idiot and to be liking it. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think what it is is uh, it's not it, because of the period it's set in. It's uh, fairly <laughs> light on gun restrictions, so it's, there's a lot of guns, uh, and there's a lot of kind of like talking about. Um, whether you're born bad or you're, um, or, or you're taught it, and then it's kind of like justifying the fact that actually corporal punishment and going around hunting people in a Greek pig posse and hunting down Bonnie and Clyde, or to um, they're obviously using that as some sort of metaphor and it's subtext and you know, right, yeah. and then you go actually if you put modern day politics onto this film it's quite ugly, and then there's also the whole. Um, me Too and Time's Up thing where you've got Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson playing old guys, old white guys that are desperately and I didn't read the article, I just sort of like this is what I can assume um, you basically they're playing old guys that are basically going well what's our place in the world? Right. The only thing we can do, the only thing me, Kevin Costner can do is make the sort of films that I've always made. That's that's that then that becomes quite meta in itself, right? That so I think that it. it's an incredibly meta film where you're like going, he's made this this film about like the brutality and ugliness of being mm. a white male in today's society and having to just go back to work and pick up the guns and go out and just hunt get down and do the thing I've always done. Do the thing that you've always done. And I think that that's actually quite an interesting take yeah. on it. Well, also, because when you initially said that, it's people that hunt down Bonnie and Clyde, I immediately think, oh, yeah, because Bonnie and Clyde's one of those films where they're sort of the, the movie of Bonnie and Clyde is to be done. It's like seen at the time as being very modern, but at that time, it's that kind of 
um, having these people who are like villains, but having them as like these sort of quite charming villains. Superstars. Go, oh, what a great, yeah, what a great. Uh, Celebrities. Yeah. And that's what the film is. It's like going, there were all these young kids, and they were like in their early 20s, mm. late teens, and, uh, and they go around mass murdering people. <laughs> well, not, they don't mass murder specific people, they mass murder a group of people. Um, and they were celebrities, and it's kind of like going, hang on, that's all bollocks. What, you know, I've worked my whole career, and now I'm being forgotten about. And mm. you have these people that are famous for doing absolutely fuck all. Yeah. And, uh, and they're national treasures. And they're, and it, they're bad people. And they're know. bad people. And it's kind of like, it's really interesting. It's, it's just an interesting take on it. And yeah, I, I thought initially it sounds like an I sh- uh, um, Anyway, so I can see that there's a lot of... What I'm saying is that I, in my own little bubble, I was enjoying the film for what it was. I love Kevin Costner, and I really enjoyed like seeing him... You know, in a Kevin Costner in a, film, in a Kevin Costner film um, rather than a Superman film, and uh, and then you know, you go, oh, okay, right. Well, maybe I just think that sometimes I know that we don't really review stuff; we just talk about what we think. Uh, and you're quite you, the listener, and Nathaniel, and me. We're allowed to disagree with each other; it's just a conversation. But um, I just think it's weird that I, I, I found it kind of like, oh, I'm that. What do you call it? Influenced. We're right. all influenced, yeah, but you right. just like go. I'd rather I'd, I'd rather have not read that review until yeah. afterwards and form my own opinion. Uh, okay, so what are you saying? Do the review. What do you see? How I'm moving forward towards the controls, and you're giving me instructions. If anything, you're delaying it. <laughs> so I'm going to play your song now. Uh, that's what I think. Anyway, I really enjoyed it, but um, I, I, but I enjoyed the debate and the conversation around it as uh, almost as much as the film. And even talking to you about it has made me think about it in, mm. on different levels, like the teenage Bonnie and Clyde versus mm. old age Kevin Costner. Yeah, I didn't think of that while I was watching it. It's kind of interesting to sort of like pull things. Yeah, it apart. sounds like it. Oh, it sounds like a good movie. Uh, it starts. <laughs> it starts off better, and then it does sort of fall apart a little. It doesn't fall apart. It just gets less interesting. You know where it's going. Um, it's on a par of like something like Public Enemies. So I'm going to play your song now. Yes. Oh. A clear day, rise and look around you, and you'll see who you are. On a clear day, how it will astound you that the glow of your being out shines every star you feel part of, every mountain, sea, and shore. Nick and Nat's fan club on Foo Bar Radio. <coughs> so we're all feeling ill in the studio. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> my name is Nick Helmut. That's Nat Nathaniel. Nick Helmut. How is the surname? And we're joined in the studio now by my friend and yours, Mr. Tom Eaton. Hello, <laughs> listeners. Hello, how are you doing? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're really ill. We're, I think we're all slightly differently ill from each other. But um, all got to, maybe we could swap illnesses. No, I don't want your one. Me either. <laughs> Mine's the best one. No. <laughs> your one's the worst. No, thank you. Uh, my, maybe, maybe your one is the best my one in one a way. Helps you lose weight. Right. Um, <laughs> like, like a detox. Hmm. It is. It is a little bit. Anyway. Hmm. Anyway, I bought you. Th- you bought it, you a present. You 
Oh, wow. I bought you some uh, uh, Superman and Batman candy sticks. Is that a genuine present or a pretend one? Wait, keep it. What, what a shit pretend present. I mean, it's a genuine. What a shit present. We'll need that back afterwards. Um, <laughs> it's just for, just for the show. Well. I will need it next week. Uh, <laughs> no, it's genuine. All right, lovely. Have you had have you had a look at the tattoo? No, look, it's sealed. I'm joking, you might have resealed it. You might have well, well, come on, look, you're going to be our guest for the next 52 minutes. That's a long you've time. got to have. Uh, <laughs> you've got to have some level of trust with us, all right? Okay. I can see why it's a worry, though. I can see why they're <laughs> <laughs> so, in your delicate position. I can see how that would be a, a door yeah, to the prospect. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll be all right. I went. Anyway. <laughs> this isn't what, what I'm here. You can talk about anything you want. If you do want to talk about Catherine Wheeling in the bathroom, then uh, <laughs> absolutely go for it. Catherine Wheeling, I think, is a term that I invented. But, um, no, but we both know what it, everyone knows everyone what it knows means. Everyone knows what it means. Yeah. And um, so, uh, and it's not both ends for you, so it's fine. It's anyway, not, no. No. Just the one. Touch wood. Cat Catherine stick. Just a disappointing Catherine wheel on a on a wet on a wet guy <laughs> fox night. <laughs> uh, the fireworks have been left out overnight, and uh, they're only half working. It's a damp squid. <laughs> <laughs> about about two twice a week, I reckon. I think about there was a thing on TV, like a sort of MTV show years ago. I watched, and what it was, it was like the MTV sort of young presenters at the time were trying to get these people to sort of embarrass them at a festival. And they all had like a microphone, they're waiting outside the toilets. And as, as people were coming out, they were going, number one or number two, and then in a kind of comedy way. And one guy just came out and went, oh, uh, both. And that, I think about that all the time. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, it, it's sort of just on this raw answer, which absolutely sort of just undermined what they were doing. It's like, yeah, well, I guess if you're having a number two, you probably are also having a number one. I think it's one. <laughs> That's what I number th- isn't that what you call a three? Is that a three? Is a number one three? and two? Or is that um, a 12? Natalie, uh, Tom's voice is very low in my ears. Is uh, it low in your ears? No, so he's fine. It's just my voice. I wouldn't worry about it. It's quite low. Um, no, I, if you're feeling blocked up and combined with my voice, then we m- might have reached some it's, a, <laughs> it's a perfect storm. <laughs> Speaking of perfect storm, uh, what's your favourite George Clooney movie? Nerds. Um, <laughs> uh, that's fan club. Mm. <laughs> no, presumably there is a... <laughs> I think you're one of the only guests that's ever bothered listening to the show before he's come on. <laughs> and I'm surprised you're here. You're still here. Normally people are like, literally, this isn't the show, this is, is it? This isn't this the show. This is it. This is this it. Is it. Um, how did you get this? How did you get this? I lived around the corner. Oh, right. uh, it was very convenient for me at the time. It's, it's slightly less convenient now that I've moved 10 minutes further that way, but still convenient. <laughs> it's slightly further from that. He yeah, lives yeah, okay. other side of town, but it will pay off dividends eventually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the savings that you make uh, on... Uh, we don't make any savings, no. but, but the money that you make off this, you can spend on shoes. Sure. Steps as well. Do some steps from the station and things, yeah. Absolutely. Actually, not that many, because I just come by cheap. No, but what you should start doing is using the bloody stairs at Caledonian Road. It's about 186, and oh, you do feel idea. it when you get up there, but fucking you hell. You do the steps at Caledonian Road, and the first time you do it, you feel 186 steps, right? Yeah. But when you do 186 steps the next time, you feel maybe 187 <laughs> that's more. That's more. Hold Hang on. on, I've done it wrong. Uh, it gets worse before it gets better. Then you feel 187, right? Uh, then you do it the third time, and then you feel 182. And then the fourth time you do it, 184 again, goes back up. But then by about the tenth time you're doing it, you're only feeling about 140. 
Yeah, and then by the time you get to my my point, uh, which uh, which is you know um, many many times into it, uh, you feel about three steps. It's like taking the lift. It's, it's like taking the lift. In actual fact, even at its very worst, it's quicker than getting the lift. Is that right? I find that at my very worst, when I first started, it's not quicker than the lift. It's the same as getting the lift. People would get on the lift and you'd, it'd be you round and you'd go, fuck that, no, I'm yeah. not getting on with them cunts. And so I'd go <laughs> up the stairs and I'd go up the stairs and by the time I got to the top of the stairs, they were just going through the barriers. And then you can get that down to the point that you're actually beating them. Were you all sweaty though and sort of spent? Oh yeah, well, part of the reason why I didn't quite meet them at the barriers was because there's that final push where there's about uh, uh, eight steps at the end and I'll just yeah. st- stand on the platform I'll stand on the landing just just for a little bit so that I don't Breathing look like deep. so much of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Catch my breath. Wipe the sweat <laughs> wipe the sweat off with my Pavarotti napkin that I carry around with me. And uh, <laughs> and then I sort of like take a deep breath and just be like, Yeah, just to the stairs. I'm alright, I'm alright, I'm alright. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. It wouldn't um, be like that bit in Superman the movie where the the fella who's not Christopher Reeve, but he's probably older than him, is playing him as a teenager. That's and, uh, so weird, isn't it, when they do that? Yeah, it's not, the, the age difference isn't significant enough that you'd justify having another actor. No. They do you know what just, we're talking about there? I, don't, I can't explicitly recall okay. it. Have you not seen Richard Donner's uh, 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 Superman? I've seen Superman. Yeah, the original. Yeah, I just can't remember it. I've probably watched it in about it's 1983. 1983. <laughs> 78. Uh, 1983? Uh, well, 1983. It was only like uh, f- f- five years old then. It's y- it was younger <laughs> then when uh, the, oh, the, 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 the Avatar is now. <laughs> 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 That's fan club. <laughs> there he is. There we go. Here That's what we're talking is. about. Of course, <laughs> Richard Donner, uh, director of uh, uh, Superman and um, the Lethal Weapon franchise, Maverick, and the inventor of the kebab. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, big fan of yours, Tom. I've known you for That's a very nice. long time. Well, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Where um, did you meet? I know where I met you, but I think you probably don't remember. Oh, okay. Go on. Who's who's going first? You, you can go he, first. He ran up. You were on the lift at Caledonian Race Station, and I, <laughs> and I basically I lapped you. Past. <laughs> sweaty beast. He was when he went past. He gave me he gave me the finger as he went. I am past. Sweat in my eyes. All sorts. <laughs> was it a, a gig? Did, are you thinking it's a? I used to put out chairs for uh, Stella Ratner at Stella Cellar. Did you? Yeah, and uh, that's that was before I was a comedian. And really? uh, you're not the first guest. It was Daniel Lawrence Taylor <laughs> yeah. as well, wasn't it? Um, eventually, we're getting them all on, and, uh, <laughs> and I wanted to basically uh, just bring something up with you. Is <laughs> you never said thanks, Tom. <laughs> well, thanks for doing the you, you never said thanks. I'm so I'm so sorry. I didn't thank you. I was probably preoccupied thinking about. Is what's this going to be like tonight? It was. Gonna, <laughs> I tell you. I can tell you now. Okay. It was going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, that old friend. That was your. Uh, that was in your double act. Oram and Meaton. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Oram. Mm-hmm. Is it's it Oram. That, it's still, Oram. Like, how it's does Oram. that work as a, as a as a double act now? Do you are you still? Are we still a double act? Do well, I don't know if you'd call us a double act anymore because we're not really doing it. We did a, we did a gig that we sort of said, this might be our last one, mightn't it? Last oh. year. Well, in last in year. the autumn. Yeah, because we got bored of trying to hunt them down and people slowly stopped asking us to do them. I did. Um, so we, you know, we're not, we enjoyed it, but we're still doing stuff, that's the thing. But are you still writing stuff? Or are you yes. doing like a greatest hits? 
Well, what we did, in fact, we've we just done a short that, that's going to be in a loco comedy festival in the, in the early summer. can't remember when that is. Anyway, we've done a short together that is like a uh, filming of one of our sketches that we used to do on stage. Is it, which one? It's, you might not have seen it because it's relatively new. It's called The Red Man. Right. Steve plays a uh, alcoholic tramp. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing already, even though it's a serious <laughs> issue. Uh, got, in fact, I should t- t- frown on you a little bit. <laughs> WTF? Oh. There we go. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we had it yeah, a week, that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one to do one today. Um, if you don't know who Steve Oram is, Google the cunt. There we there go. go. <laughs> That's my other one. <laughs> You're more likely to know who Steve Boreham is than I than me. Um, well, you, to be fair, not to not to interject, but you, yeah, no. uh, Steve. I was just in a short film. I just d- did a short film with him. Yes, he don't did. know what the quality of that's going to be. <laughs> but it was very fun uh, uh, hanging out with him for a day. Um, but he Lovely. wrote and directed the film. Ah, yes, which uh, you were in. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So that's have you of, seen it? I haven't seen it. I, do you know right. what? I've got it on DVD, and it's one Are of you. A bit scared. It's one. Of, I, do you know what? It's like uh, what I've found in my later years. Yes. Is that I don't like being challenged, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's like one of the ones that I got from FOP when I go into FOP, and I'm just like, oh my god, I get this because obviously I know the guys that made it, and I put it on my stack of things, and uh, it's one of the ones that is still in the cellophane because it's like it's on my stack of things. It's my two two watch pile, yeah. and it's kind of like whenever there's one of those, I go, that looks challenging. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to my uh, expendables <laughs> box set and maybe watch one of those. It is challenging, though. Know, you're right. I, read, you're I, right I was to reading judge the description like of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. Ev- everyone talks like monkeys throughout the entire film. And it's an so, hour and a half, is it? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but there's. The, the, it, I don't know. It is a challenge. If, you, if that appeals to you, then you're going to love it. <laughs> it does appeal. But it is, it's also got a story that you can follow anyway. It's all very visual and there's some great people in it. It does. It's got Toya Wilcox. It's got the Boosh Boys. Oh, Julian it's got Toya Wilcox. Toya Wilcox is in it. Oh. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you worked. Uh, um, oh. <laughs> The story is he allowed to tell a story? I don't know. Um, but um, oh. Oh, 79 minutes. Okay, I'll give it a go actually. It's just, it's just come up. Um, so, so you've just filmed a, a short with him? Yes, we just filmed a short. That, so, that, and that was a live thing that we, and we, that'll be out and about on the internet. Uh, soon, I think we'll release it. We'll do this little festival and then, then we'll release it. And, and well, then we're working on a bigger feature together, super low budget. Because we both got into making sort of. Uh, super low budget features. See, okay, I wanted to get to that, but yeah. I guess I guess you've brought it forward a bit. Um, mm. Okay, we'll just go with the flow. All right, sorry. Uh, we go for uh, Natalie. We're just going to go with the flow now. I'm jump, just going to go off, off text. So, coming off script. So you started off doing. Uh, so you were in Wingnut as well, right? The ba- the band. <laughs> the yeah, the band. band. <laughs> Inverted yeah. What was Wingnut? I don't know Wingnut. Wingnut. Well, hang on, hang on. All right. Okay, let's go through it chronologically. So, um, so um, you're Tom. <laughs> Who, who are you? No. <laughs> I'm Steve Boreham. <laughs> You're Tom Meaton, right? So, um, so I first became aware of you where, uh, in about 2007 when I was putting out seats for Stella Ratner and Stella Seller just at Barcode uh, in Soho. Um, <laughs> it was a sketch and character-based comedy night, which was awful. Um, but um, I, was sort of in, I was sort of in charge of I love of these that. stories. I love that. Anyway, you used to come out and uh, you did a sketch, uh, which was a song. Uh, called, uh, 
in the woods. Yes. Where, was it, where did you find him? In the woods. Where does he live? In the woods. Where does he live? In the woods. Yeah. He lives in the woods. <laughs> it was, it's, <laughs> it's, better, it's better than he's made it out <laughs> it's to be. Listeners. Well, I was run, jumping around. And you were in a little Robin Hood outfit. I was a little pixie. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but I don't know why we, people stopped asking us to do stuff. It was to fucking. Be it was fucking good, right? No, and it it's funny. had a, it's it had funny. a very lasting memory. And you're saying that um, you don't go a week without thinking about that portal challenge. I yeah. don't go a week without saying to myself at some point, um, uh, uh, "I'm Paul Simon <laughs> and I'm Art Garfunkel," okay. right? Which you yeah. did on. I'm just basically telling you what you've done. <laughs> yeah, this is which nice. you did on Paramount Comedy channel which yes. was like the in-between linky bits yes. when they had an american show and they'd already put adverts in and it still wasn't long enough <laughs> they'd get some uh, british comedians to come in and put some content together yes and you did a thing with uh simon farnaby yes. farnaby uh where he was art car uncle and you were paul simon yes. and you played him like an, i think i brought it up the other week as well you played him like uh, an american hood he was like that <laughs> Basically, like that. that's the only American accent I can do. And, uh, Yo. And Yo, Artie, Artie, what you doing? Every week, uh, Simon Farnaby would have like more and more like bruises. He'd be more and more like abused, and it was it was really funny. And uh, and so, where did you? So you're part of all of that lot. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We were and like, Alice Lowe, um, Alice, yeah, Alice and Steve, all the sightseers lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, re- I recently watched. Uh, uh, the Ghoul, the go- right, and, okay. and I watched Tank Four Three Two. I oh, really, that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I was disappointed that your character disappears quite early. On. I bet less we can. It's not a particular spoiler, but I don't make it, do I? Yeah, but um, I disappear. Well, you okay. disappear. It's a fucking confusing. You, you did film. watch it then. You it's pay a, proper attention. It's a, well, it's a confusing film. It is quite confusing. Yes. I, it's a sort of um, a psychological thriller. Really, it's not that much to do with. Fighting and machine guns—it's quite. Um, in a way, it got marketed to be to make it look like it had more to do with tanks and guns and shooting than it actually does. Well, I was, re- <coughs> I was reading a review of, of it online, <laughs> and someone was very angry with Netflix for describing it as an action adventure. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's really not. It's about. It's um, not. Um, it's about a small uh, group of mercenaries who uh, you, you see them at the end of their conflict and then uh, they hide in a tank for an hour. <laughs> and it's not really an action adventure. It's more like a psychological thriller. Yes. Um, it's, very, it's very good. It's, it's, <coughs> it's a challenging, again, it's a bit of a challenging. It's challenging. Watch. It's h- quite hard to know what to, it's going on because there's lots of sort of trippy business. It's very confusing. Well. And it's also, confusing. Uh, they don't really tie up all the loose ends. It's open for interpretation a bit at the end. I accept all of that. Yes, it is. Yes. But I might be working with the director and producer again, so I think it is very I loved a it. good film. I loved it. Um, <laughs> if there's very, any, very good film. If there's any comic relief parts, uh, <laughs> then it's. But I found what I find it, and also uh, Ben Wheatley uh, uh, produced. He is exec on it. Yeah, it's weird how uh, like there's no British film industry other than uh, yeah. Shane Meadows and uh, Ben Wheatley. 
Yeah. And it's kind of like, and the more I watch, the more Ben Wheatley is over absolutely yeah. every mm. film that's kind of like come out. Um, and well, I, it's very, it's a very. Um, I mean, we because he did it for the Gould as well. He came yeah. on late. Mm basically and as an exec and what that does obviously is it gives you a badge because there's lots of films getting made some of them are good some of them are not so good and you've got to try and break through so if you get Ben Wheatley's badge of uh, approval then obviously that helps the film so it meant that we could do a lot more with it than we ever imagined really well, to get his get support a wider release and yeah yeah just general yeah yeah PR and everything so mm. it's it, it's a very um, we always saw it as a very positive thing that he's helping that. new filmmakers really absolutely he yeah. was on very he was on the BAFTA panel when um, uh, my film Elephant got nominated. You, yeah, you were nominated for a BAFTA. I was so always wanted to pin him down and uh, uh, we'll find, find out. out what he thought of it. But um, anyway, Ben Wheatley, uh, so he's sort of all over your stuff. Um, obviously, he works with Alice and Steve on sightseeing, yes, which did. you were in. Yes. What I find interesting about what you do is that um, I think of you as a very funny person. Why? Thank you. I don't particularly. I think. Okay. I think you're. I think. I think you're a funny guy. Yes. Uh, you're a funny guy. <laughs> uh, but I think if you're a comedian, and then the stuff that, you, like the Ghoul, which you produced as well, mm. you are. It's a very serious film. It's yeah. not funny in the slightest. But is you watch those films and you almost expect it by cast to go. This will be funny. Well, Bit I know. Of a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely! A knockabout comedy. Oh no, it's about depression. Um, um, yeah. No. I mean, that is a sort of because Gary. Gareth, who, who um, made The Ghoul, really, he's direct, directed it, wrote it. He was from a comedy background as well. But really, he wanted to, to make psychological uh, thrillers. So um, that's why it's not sort of funny. But our, our pool of people, you know, Alice is in that as well. Alice Lowe's in that as well. And Paul Kay, who I'd worked with. And they're all from the comedy world. So mm-hmm. it, is a, it is a weird mixture. And um, Gareth uh, thinks that they comedians... Ross, what's his name? Uh, yes, yeah, Dan, Dan Skinner. Skinner. Dan Skinner, who's mm-hmm. brilliant. Actually. Oh, he's great in that. Yeah, and they? Rufus Jones, who's got a sitcom on Channel Four and, at the uh, moment. Jeffrey, Jeffrey McGiven. He's fucking great. Amazing. His first scene in that is really funny. It's amazing. He's, yeah. If anything, he's got a bit of, bit more of a comic sensibility about him. And he needs, but I think, I think it needs that was the that. idea. Yeah, the lift. What I like about your performance in that is, uh, it starts off as kind of like a detective kind of movie. Yes. And when you're first introduced. You're playing a very cool yes. detective. Yes. Um, and which, which quickly deteriorates <laughs> into um, <laughs> sleeping on a piss-stained mattress. But, <laughs> but your first shot is kind of like, you could be kind of like from one of them Norwegian kind of uh, mystery was, thrillers. Exactly, yeah, that was the idea. That's the idea. It sets up exactly the sort of yeah. thing it is. And Dan and Skinner obviously sells that as well. Yeah, he's very good at that. Because it was, um, in fact, one of the references is, and I'm not going to remember his name now, but you will, I'm sure, is from Le Samurai, the French film. Where uh, he's Jean-Pierre Melville. Uh, yes, and is it Alain Delon? Alain Delon, of course. He's the, he's the you know, Alain yes, yes. Collar up. And good pronunciation on that. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'd keep out of it and just let you two thrash it out. But you're, you're quite right, it was both of those guys. But that was one of the references. And um, But I, I found it quite hard to be sort of cool. Do you, I do find you it find easier it self-conscious? So is that a yeah, thing? So you, so do you find it easier in comedy? Do you find it easier comedies, to... Yeah, well, it's easier to be a goon, isn't it? And, yeah. not, and Com- not worry about it too comedy, much. Uh, well, as you say, comedy, comedy is... Mm, it's not easy, but it's... Comedy is... Mm. But it's easier. What I found is... Hang on, I, I haven't quite finished my thought. 
let me just finish my clip. How long does this normally oh, take? It's not about that comedy. If you've na- if you've got okay. natural funny bones like uh, you or I, uh, then uh, <laughs> and, and that yeah, <laughs> yeah sure yeah, sure yeah. and that. Um, uh, I don't know. I just think that drama is significant. Once you've done comedy, once you've mastered comedy, <laughs> as <laughs> I, I don't think there's any doubt that everyone in this room has the masters. <laughs> Uh, and I like to think of uh, this show as a masterclass. Um, but once you, but once you've done comedy, uh, and you've, I, I, I did um, theatre education where I did a show about car crashes and then lectured fifteen-year-old boys not to speed their cars, wow. and they hated me. Wow! I did that for theatre education over what when I was twenty-three, twenty-four. Wow! And um. And I was just thinking, once I've done that, comedy will be fucking easy. <laughs> and then you do comedy, and then once you've done comedy, you go, fucking no, you go back to doing drama, and it's just like, I don't have to... I yeah. can do all of the acting yes. without having to make people laugh on top of that. No, you're right. You're right in that way. And, and of course, you, we know that making people laugh is, when you're actually there in situ is very hard in front of an audience sometimes it's hard if they yeah. don't like you it's hard yes. to turn people's opinions if they're already on board and they like you then you just need to be yourself yes. but if you're actually working for it then that can be hard yeah. and I just and, and I just know that when I ever, whenever I had a dramatic scene it was always just kind of like oh it's quite nice to do something that's not but then I hear stories about people on the sets of dramas well, they're a bit arsy. And it sounds fucking awful. Well, actors. Well, Pro- just actors, actors like on the on the set of like Prime Suspect or something like that, and uh, and the crew are just like, oh, it's not like that on a on a drama. It's yeah. not like this on a drama. People are very quiet and they're very, they're concentrating all day, and yeah. you know, so you're doing a scene where you're doing an autopsy in a morgue, and people are trying to get their heads around, like going, well, if I was in a morgue doing an autopsy, I'd probably be feeling like this, and you go, <laughs> what? <laughs> In a comedy, well, yeah. you know, I've got piss all over my trousers. I'm not like going, <laughs> right, how would I feel if I'd actually piss? You just like action. Oh, no, I've got piss all over I my trousers. I want to see you, do you know doing I mean? a comedy autopsy in a morgue, though. That'd be good. Um, well, like I'd to have to get in the mic. I don't know what I'd be able to find funny about, I'm afraid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Different things, funny things that come out of the body when you chop it open. Oh. Have you seen the Baywatch uh, reboot? <laughs> no, <laughs> is that what happens? Yeah, there's a whole scene. It's like totally oh, all wow. over the place. It's kind of like mm, there's a whole scene in the morgue where they're playing with a dead man's penis, and it, you <laughs> just go. It's, but it's kind of like it's also in the same film where they're like going drugs are bad guys. Right. Wow. It's just such a weird film. I hated <laughs> it. It was quite popular, wasn't it? I what the the Rock. Oh yeah, he's popular. He's popular. He produced it. It's such, I thought it was an awful film, but I think it's probably because um, I hold the source material very close to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not just close to my heart, but. <laughs> um, uh, oh God. Anyway, yeah, I think. Um, uh, <laughs> comedy is harder, and. Um, Drama's easy. <laughs> but is it? Are you? Are you taking it all very seriously when you're doing it? Yeah. Or is it all? Does yeah, it, does it feel like 
Yeah, a bit. Well, there's a responsibility, isn't there? I, I felt like you've got to do a good job, haven't you? And I was, I was a bit nervous about doing drama, about being a depressed man. I wanted, to, I, I felt like I had to rein my face in because <coughs> naturally yet. I'd be quite big and, and sort of clowny usually in things. I mean, not everything, but quite a lot on stage at least. Did and then for this, you got to really feel, feel like I had to rein my face in. Did you have any methods for getting into character? Because I know when um, I did a couple of short films before I did. Um, any TV mm. and I was so awful in the short films I was doing so much acting and when I did uh, The Uncle Pilot with any other week I watched the Michael Caine acting thing yes okay. and it helped me get in the right mindset to like not do anything yes, yes. and there's that Clint Eastwood quote which is always really good which is uh, he goes don't just do something stand there <laughs> you think that's that really good. good yeah I, well I didn't I didn't look at loads of stuff but I, I worked with Gareth director quite a lot and he always used to say, tell it with your eyes. Um, which? <laughs> and how did that work as advice? I'm just trying to tell it with my eyes yeah. right now. I think that's too much. That's though, good. Man. No, I think that's just right. right. You've got, right? you got to imagine that you're not just going to be watching him face to face. There's going to be like a camera in the way. Camera there. Right, okay. So you've got to... Yeah. You've got yeah. to imagine the camera's not there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. A lot of the time, because uh, I'm filming uh, Reluctant Landlord. You were in the Reluctant Landlord oh, last yeah. year, weren't you, you? I was, did a little bit. Um, that was a nice day when you came in. We were, we, were, we were mopping up all of the scenes at the end. And so we were normally what would happen is we were called in and we would be there at eight and then we'd be filming till six. But when you were in, we were in that, we were on location. Yes. And uh, they'd call us in, but there'd be a lot of sitting around in the green room. So, uh, so that was nice. It uh, it was a lovely shoot, and David, uh, well, Ramesh is obviously lovely, but I know David as well, the director, and he's, yes. he's great, isn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. we're getting on really well this series. Are you doing it right now? Yeah, we're doing it. Ah. Right now. Anyway, so uh, I just know that I'll do a lot of acting with my eyes, and David will come over to me and he'll say, uh, "Oh, we just need something more," and I'll say to him, "Did you watch it through the monitors?" <laughs> and he'll say, "No, <laughs> I didn't." And I said, "Trust me, you've got what you need." And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Are you basically directing it? I don't want to say. Okay. I don't want to say that, <laughs> okay. but uh, um, I'm just going to put my microphone on mute. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Uh, is it that button? Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, so, um, so there's that. But also sometimes my performance will be so good, uh, he'll ask me to do it like 32 times. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Just in case people don't see yeah. it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. incredible. Because he doesn't want to risk the fact that he hasn't captured it on camera. Yeah. yeah and he'll say, do it again. And yeah. But, you know, I'll go, fucking hell, I'm flattered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other actors yeah. are getting a bit jealous and yeah, angry yeah, with yeah, me because yeah. they're Emily, just thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, Ramesh. I mean, yeah. his performance is so lackluster. Sometimes he'll only have to do it once. <laughs> I said, just, uh, just the once from you, Rom, but another f another couple of dozen times from Nick. I mean, uh, this is how you do it, Rom. Uh, obviously, I'm more experienced than him. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, so, but do you find it, like, because uh, we were filming a scene the other day where we had to be, and we were just sort of, uh, I don't know, I think that it's probably because it's a sitcom. Mm. But the tone on set is very light and silly, and yes. then you do. And I, mm, and yes. but I think it was like that when we were doing the more dramatic stuff in Uncle as well. Oh, well, I think in the goal that when it's not when the camera's not rolling, 
where everyone's laughing. It's, oh, good. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. true, but sort of there is a, there's a lighter thing, and because it's quite heavy, and I'm sure that's true of lots of stuff, um, you, you've got to have some sort of lightness of think, Because you come from a comedy background, do you think yeah. you have less of the sort of idea of that craft? Like Nick was talking about dramas and everyone taking themselves very seriously. I didn't really have a clue. That maybe that is the way to do it, that mm. actually there's no need to act like you, you're taking it very seriously. You can mm. just turn it on and off. And it will be fine. I tell you what, in the group, <coughs> I, I, it is sort of like a minimal, stripped-down sort of thing, performance that I do, which is what Gareth wanted. But I was always very self-conscious that I hadn't done enough. Right, I think yes, that yeah, was yeah. coming from a comedy no, sort of No, you've done just what, enough. Just enough. I watched, some people criticised it for that, saying he didn't really do anything. I watched a film uh, called uh, The Oxford Murders, or The Oxford Mystery, The Oxford Murders, starring John Hurt and Elijah Wood. And that is an example of you're doing too much. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. Like the acting, the script was terrible, but the acting was just, it was, it was mind boggling how much acting was going on. And it just, every scene was, uh, I, I mean, I wanted to watch kind of like an old fashioned kind of murder mystery type thing. And it was on my skybox. So I watched it. I thought, this will be nice Sunday night viewing. And it was just awful. It was so much, such a chore to get through to the point that I got halfway through it and fell asleep and I tried to watch it again. But I kept forgetting what part I'd got to and I would re-watch the same middle 20-minute part where I couldn't remember anything <laughs> until it got to a point where I was like, oh, no, I have watched this. And it happened three times and then eventually I finished it off last night. And then, Oh, my God. That is quite persistent, though. I don't think I'd have lasted. I'm doing this fucking thing where you I don't have, have to, to do it. I'm doing this fucking thing where I write down what films I've seen and I can't watch oh. half a film. I've got to finish the film. Right. It's OCD. What, have you made him do it? Well, no, I did it, so he's he's done it as well. I see. But I you see. can just not watch it if you get bored. No, I've got to watch can't it. Can't you just say watch? This was shit. Yeah, you could just not watch that no, one. I can't, Turn it you can't count it as a full watch. I see. But you don't have to. You just, just there are loads of films it. that get good in the last twenty minutes. Yeah. No, I can't think of any. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> can't think of one. <laughs> uh, no. I was thinking the first time I saw you on anything, Tom, yes. was on Blunder. On Blunder. Okay. And that you talking. played like a kung fu expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would be doing high kicks and yes. then revealing your balls? Yes, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and that's the thing that always made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, was, he was called it, Karate Johnson. Karate Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but all, it was always uh, funny, and it always felt like are you allowed to show someone's balls on telly? <laughs> what was Blunder? <laughs> it was like a sketch show. It was, a, it was on a really, what channel? Channel Four. Channel Four. What, who, who else was in it? So Simon Farnaby was in it, mm -hmm. and uh, David Mitchell. Was in it. Oh, yeah. It's quite a sort of an unusual collaboration. Reese Thomas, Tony Way, and Nina Conti. Oh yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a it was a sort of manufactured sketch show in some ways. I'd, I was working with Simon and Reese Thomas was working with Tony Way quite a lot, and they got sort of got, everyone got brought together and put together to do it. So as a result, it didn't quite work. Sure. But uh, I had some great moments. But in like it. Tony Way is all part of that. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, you're exactly. a whole generation. Know, all over. Mm. All, and also in uh, Tank uh, Four Three Two, um, yes. uh, Michael Smiley's in it, and Smiley. he was in space, and Tony Way was in space, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like there's this whole generation of yeah. Uh, 
comedians that all sort of work together and are all interlinked. In fact, on, on The Ghoul, we did a special sort of um, additional feature thing for the DVD release, and we did a little mini um, uh, documentary, not documentary, that's way too strong, Talking Heads, about how it all links up, and it's all to do with Ealing Live and like the composers Wayne Shepherd who you might have met on the circuit, who used to do Gary Lestrange character. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he got... He Gary Lestrange, he did Stella Seller. Yeah, of he course he would He bollocked me, he bollocked me. Did he? Yeah. Right. Stella had a habit of uh, switching off the microphone when she left the stage. <laughs> and I was in the sound booth <laughs> and I had no access to the stage or the microphone. Oh, my God, I'm remembering it all now. That so, little sound booth that was there. Yeah, so Gary yeah. Lestrange was on stage. What he came out. Uh, it's Barcode. It's a gay bar in Soho, which isn't called Barcode anymore. It's called something else. But it's in that street that goes down to the Lyric Pub. Near the windmill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, and Gary Lestrange went on. Stella did her bit, switched off the microphone, <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> Gary Lestrange came on. I set his track up, pressed play. He went on, started singing into the microphone. Nothing's coming out of the microphone. He's going, fuck, fuck. Saying, what's the point in doing a fucking sound check? Fucking hell! <laughs> what, and I'm just there going, I can't do anything about it. It's yeah. Stella. Stella switched the yeah. microphone. There's a button on the side. A button on the side. Flip it. He's <laughs> saying, I, you know, I restarted it for him, but his big entrance was ruined. Right. Uh, it, 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 you know, he, he can he can sleep well knowing that there was only four people in. <laughs> so <laughs> after three hours of flying, <laughs> oh my god! I mean, oh god! Uh, desperation of all that. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But so, anyway, uh, so he did anyway. the music on the goal. He did the music on the goal. Yeah, he's a, a brilliant. He also did um, uh, Murder in Successful. The music for that. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Tom Davis's show. So he's he's become. And were he, you on that? I did do a little bit on Who that. Who were you on that? Uh, Richard Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, yeah. I absolutely loved it. Although, of course, I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing um, at, with, with Tom. Because Tom was, was obviously much bigger than me. Two different sized Toms. And he sort of grabbed my lapels and was sort of going, listen, Hammond. And I couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> but anyway, that was lovely. Yeah. Um, we should play you a song. What's, uh, oh, yes. what's your song that you've got? We, well, I gave you a couple. I don't know what... Uh, okay, fine, I'll just play it. Yeah, okay. We're back. We're joined in the studio by Tom Meter. I don't know why I'm saying, and we're joined in the studio by Tom Meter. If, if you look, if you're tuning in now, you, you'll never make it out alive. Um, here's a question for you: Who played the title role in the 2015 movie Magic Mike Double XL? Um, oh, what's his face? Tatum. Yeah. yeah, him. What's his name? Um, Is it A? Ch oh, uh, Channing Tatum. Yes. Is it B? Matt Damon. Uh, uh, is it C? Ryan Gosling. Or is it D? Leonardo DiCaprio. A. 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 Yeah, that's right. That's good. What's that movie going on? Oh, oh nice. it's an Italian accent. Uh, hi. What? Italian. Leonardo DiCaprio. Hey. My favourite movie is Mamma Mia. <laughs> 
Titanic. That's Italian for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. 2019. Um, so, <laughs> um, so when you're talking about that group of people that you belong yes. to, yes. where would you have met who's, all those yeah, people? When, when you're talking about that group of people, who's mm. the worst? <laughs> 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 who's the biggest shit? Steve Oren. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I, I always... Steve's my default. Oh, be rude to, so I'm allowed to be rude to him. Where did you start? When did you start? When did you meet Steve? Well, um, we met... We were both doing sort of quite odd characters individually on the circuit. And this sort of Uber agent called Neil Willis, who... <laughs> set up he sounds like an agent. Yeah. Neil Willis. It sounds like he is the agent of an Uber driver. Neil Willis from Peckham. <laughs> well, he was a Brummie, actually. Welcome to Paradise. <laughs> no, he didn't ever say that. But he, he, he had a sketch group with Mackenzie Crook, Ian Lee, Mitch Benn, and a, and a guy called Zeron Gibson who used to do a character called Valentine Fly Guy and they had a sketch group and then they all left and went oh, they had a successful Edinburgh they all left so he recast it and he put me and Steve oh. in it as well as it's quite weird isn't it no uh, with another guy but that's where you met that's where we met and then we went we'd, we got on really well and we left the other two in the group so, sorry, boys. And we left Neil Willis. <laughs> it's who a then, Taylor's oldest time. Yeah, it is, of course. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite right. And Neil Willis since left to, I think, he went religious and moved to Spain. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. So you were doing sketches we and one-man like kind of character stuff, but mm. on the stand-up circuit Yeah. Can well. that give us a time frame when you, when you were doing I that? first started doing stuff in about 98. Mm. 98, I think. Yeah. Yeah, about then I started. I had a character called Tommy Fate. And um, yeah, it wasn't particularly well thought through, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then at that point, you're just trying stuff out, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. I used to, I used to have a disco track to come on, come on to and do some disc, <laughs> disco moves. I, I would say that one of the other things that I remember a lot and that I talk about to people is uh, this guy called Tom Meaton, and he used to do this song called Northampton. And uh, uh, did you ever record it? I didn't, but you know what? And I can't remember if I told you this. Don't want to ruin it, but um, you know who actually wrote that? Wayne Shepherd goes back to Wayne Shepherd. Wayne Shepherd. Wayne Shepherd. So I'm from Northampton, yeah. and I had this. I tried. I tried an hour show about Northampton, <laughs> a comedy show, <laughs> and Wayne wrote me the song. Oh really? Yeah, that's one of the funniest. It's uh, a good song. Yeah. Funniest lyrics. Yeah. Is the <laughs> can you can you do it? Oh, so give me a. Oh. Gi- oh give God, me yeah. an N. Give me an O, give me an R, give me a T, give me an H, give me an A, give me an M, give me a P, give me a T, give me an O, what have you got, Northampton? (laughs) (laughs) That's Wayne, that's Wayne, I can't even take credit for it. It's a genius of Wayne. It's a good song. Yeah. Um, I think I think it, it always makes me think that the stand-up circuit in 1998, late 90s, tiny. was much, but also much more experimental. Like, yeah, it than was. It, it, yeah, but it, it was. Now. It, I just but find it that because I, I found it quite narrow starting, and it felt like almost that. Well, <coughs> when did you start? 
2007. Right, right. That, that by then, even yeah. then it felt like, if you're doing anything remotely unusual, people would be like, oh, I don't know about this. It's like, it's not even that weird. It's not yeah. even that... I, well, we I always that. felt that about my act. I always thought, yeah. I'm, if anything, I'm mainstream. Yeah. People are laughing, and it's audience participation, and you're going on, and you're being silly. It's clearly a joke. And mm. then what you don't realise is everyone's going, you're very angry. And you go, yeah. well, I'm not, am I? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's an act. <laughs> it's an act, right? I'm not like. But a lot of it's down to the rise of the sort of observation, or the re-rise, if you like, risen yeah. again well, of, of the observational sort of comic and like, the power comic, isn't it? Like really? the Apollo would have started about 2001, 2002, mm. when Jack D took it over, and then yeah. it was like, oh, that's a legitimate career, is it? Yeah. But the weird stuff wasn't the stuff that was going on. It was the, no. and it, by that point, it was the observational stuff, which was alternative comedy in the late 80s and 90s. Then it became like mainstream comedy yeah. and then that was just like right well the mainstream comedy is the stand-up observational stuff yes. and then the weird stuff was like pushed out on the fringes and yeah. then when it was just like actually you can make a career out of it if you if you play your card right you can be on live at the apollo and when it live at the apollo started you're on live at the apollo on a thursday night and by the weekend you were you were um, selling out yeah, you were, things, yeah. You, you and were then you've got panel shows and, and, and it, it all it just would interlinks change your, doesn't it change your career overnight live well, at the i apollo, can understand it um, but I think that's when, when you're saying like this sort of group of us, this amorphous group who all sort of work together and da da da, da I think we're all united in that we all used to do weird things on stage. Mm. That, that, is, that is a sort of yeah, common thing absolutely. with this sort of group oh, and I not really ever tried to do stand-up in its pure sense. I think when me and Nat started, which was, I think, I was, yeah, about 2007, um, the whole idea of kind of making a career out of it was just like, do you know what? If if you do this, this, and this, it was it was more mapped out. I think by that yeah. point, and it was less like flinging shit at the wall yeah. and like trying. You know, the, the days of trying something different out every weekend were gone, yeah, yeah. and it was like get your good get, twenty, get your tight get it twenty on telly, yeah, and um, and it's kind of yeah, yeah. It's a shame you can't have both, isn't it? As, yeah, as you it know, is. the variety because that's what um, that's what the best nights were usually. They were sort of a mixture. It still they? exists. Yeah, but but it, but people. But I think that you need to, the right audience because people are now conditioned to be like, well, this is what live comedy is. Yeah. Mm. And when you have like a weirder act, people are going, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. What the yeah. fuck is?" I was, yeah. a, I was a lineup with. Um, this was maybe the worst gig I ever had. Was I was on a lineup with Milton Jones and Josh Widdicombe. Josh was comparing, and Milton Jones was headlining, and it was for a, a corporate gig for a bank. And they said, "We want you, Nick." They phoned up and they said, well, we've been recommended you, we want you. I said, um, you want me for a corporate gig for a bank? And they were like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's a big night out. So who else have you got? Milton Jones, Josh Whittaker. I said, well, I think it's odd that you want me. Well, are you sure you want me? And they're like, yeah, we want you. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, I'll send you some clips. And I sent them some YouTube clips. <laughs> and I said, just watch that. And then, you know, and then and so they watched it. And they said, yeah, 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 yeah we want you. Okay, if you're sure, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Okay, I got there. It took ages to get there. It was like up north somewhere. It took a a really long time to get there. I got there, got out of the car. Josh had been doing radio at the time, so the guy that picked us up ignored me altogether and (laughs) just talked to Josh about how much he loved Josh. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the the sitcom Josh. It was before the sitcom Josh. He was talking to Josh about how much he loved Josh. (laughs) And... um, and it was kind of like, I was sat in the car going, I think I'm in a wrong booking here. I'm, you know. And then I got on stage and I just filmed pilot for Heavy Entertainment. So basically I did everything that I could do from the pilot of Heavy Entertainment as a stage act. 
which included wearing a white suit that tore away and I was nice. wearing sort of like brown wire fronts underneath and cowboy boots Lovely. and I did a poem and, and two songs and some one-liners with sound effects and all you know I did like my whole show yeah. in 15 minutes and um we did a run through and the crew sort of enjoyed it and then you know Josh goes on compares fucking people every time he gets to a punchline they're all groaning I think we, we were meant to go on at 8 and they'd gone out and got hammered and we ended up going on at 11 and they were so drunk by that point but they were so and Josh was kind of like doing his mainstream stuff and so they were like groaning I was just thinking oh I'm not sure about this the only thing that I think is going to get me through this is chutzpah right yeah. so I go out <laughs> And it went so badly. They, were, they <laughs> hated me so much. They hated me so much. They were shouting and shouting, going, and, it, and for some reason, they printed out our reviews and given them out as kind of like, this is who's going to be on. And he was like, oh, four stars, four, I wouldn't even give you one. And it was just like, oh and, it, and I was just there doing the thing. And there was one point I remember having an out-of-body experience, and I, I was just about to do my tear-away trousers <laughs> and get down to my pants, right? And I was thinking... Maybe this will get them on side. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those thoughts. Though. And I did it, and the guy went, "You're disgusting! You're disgusting! You're disgusting!" But like, I'm not even joking. But like, like he was like a boiling pot, and he was like, Aah! and he got up and he ran off. Right? And I was like, so I, just, I don't know what to do. So I followed him off the stage, and then I came back on, and I came off, and the people that organised it um, sent me to my room. <laughs> And I got my stuff and I got dressed and everything. And I came back out to watch Josh and Melton. And they said, uh, oh, and here's the guy that's going to take you home. And I went back and sat with the guy that was going to take me home in the car. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, go, I came back out and I was just like, to watch Josh and Melton. He goes, I don't think you understand, sir. We're very angry with you and we don't want to see you. What? And I was like, what? I did my act. <laughs> The one that you booked, I, I can't help it that they didn't like it. And then they said, there we, we, we're very angry. So I had to sit in the car. And oh, my God. God. And, wait, and wait for Josh, who was my friend. And uh, I had to wait for Josh in the car. Josh sat in the car. We drove home for four hours. Josh was very tired. I told him what happened. He didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that, was, that was a terrible gig. Sorry, that's taken up most of the time. I'm pretty sure it was in Northampton, though, to bring it back. That's fine, Club. We've got to play a game with you now, Tom. Okay, good. Um, this game is better or worse, where you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my own opinion. Right. Starting with Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Laura Linney, the actress Laura Linney, is she better or worse than Brian yes, Wilson of the Beach Boys? She's worse. She high is cards. worse. High she's cards. a high card. She's in Congo. She's great. Yeah. She's in Congo. Great. She's Dennis great Quaid. In Congo. Dennis Quaid, better or worse than Laura Linney? Better. Mm. I might go worse. I might go worse. Really? I like the both high cards. I like Dennis Quaid. He's I like a poor him. man's Harrison Ford. Sure. <laughs> Timothy Dalton, better or worse than Dennis Quaid? Um, worse. No. What did I see with Timothy Dalton in? Recently, James Flash Gordon. No, it wasn't either of those things. Oh, Flash Gordon. Better. Better. Yeah, Flash Gordon. Good call. Tim Curry. Better or worse than Timothy Dalton? Better. I'm going to say worse. Why? Dunno. Dunno. (laughs) Tim Henman. Better or worse than Tim Curry? Worse. Tim Curry's worse Worse. than Timothy Dalton? Yeah. Susan Sarandon. You're just doing Tim's, mate. I was just doing Tim's. Susan Sarandon. Better or worse than (laughs) Tim Henman? Better. Yeah, she is, yeah. Better. Dame Maggie Smith. Better or worse than Susan Sarandon? Worse. 
Wow. Although they could play uh, the same character at different ends of the spectrum. Well, not different. She is worse, I think. Yeah, sure. High cards. Willem Dafoe, better or worse than Dame Maggie Smith? Better. Better, he is better. Willem Dafoe's better than Maggie? Yes. yes. What, Walter, Walter Matthau, better or worse than Willem Dafoe? Better. Whoa. Better. But I really like William Defoe. Yeah, Me too. But who doesn't like Walter Matthau? I know, but. Grumpier old men? I know, <laughs> but I really like William Defoe. It's Dafoe. up there with The Godfather 2, isn't it? Of yeah. Walter Matthau. Waste of time. Is better. He <laughs> okay, is better. Okay. Walter Matthau is better. He is better. Is that it? That's it. That's it. That's fun club. Okay. Five. Nice. Five. Got five. Okay. You join uh, John Niven. Uh, sh- no, you don't. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. You don't join John <laughs> Niven and Sean Harris. They got ten, mate. Uh, you're in the you five didn't group. Even ask me ten. You know, with Yasmin yeah, Akram. You with okay. Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering, and Jerry Page with five. Um, okay. Well, I'm slightly disappointed. Uh, you're not as good as John Niven, Sean Harris with 10, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence, Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Gray, I Rebecca Staten with uh, t- nine, yeah. uh, Chloe Blakely, yeah. Jordan Brooks, yeah. Suze Kempner. I mean, I really would like to ask so you some more questions. We've only got like one more we minute. Could do. We okay. could but unfortunately, rules are rules. Eight, Chloe Blakely, <laughs> Jordan Brooks, Suze Kempner, Evelyn Mark, Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Schwartz, uh, Mark Smith, and Carl Theobald with eight. Taylor Campbell, Briggles, Steve Tom, Goodman, uh, Hill, uh, Charlie Exxon, uh, Matthew Holness, Jim yeah. Hosking, uh, Laura X, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Elias Berger, uh, Josh Finnegan, Sean, Sean McLaughlin, Drunk Mavis, Alvin Graham, Dale McLaughlin, George, Colin Hall, Tony Kidler, Byron Lowell, Lindsay Water, John Robbins, Richard Sterling, Miles Simmons, and David Trent. Not as good as them, mate. But you are better than Chad Berry, Buddy Galore, Taylor Glenn, <laughs> Katie Wilkins, and Sam Ashurst. That, that three. That, that's a year's worth of guests, and sometimes we had two. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, being magical having you on. Oh, lovely. How did you find it? I know, that's, that's flown by. That we didn't even talk about what you're minutes. a fan of. You're a fan of the books, the Sister <laughs> we Brothers. We didn't end up talking about uh, it. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased with it. It's a good book. Yeah. I love the book. You, you like the book. F- oh, I love it. Yeah, it's really uh, good you're a fan of the film Together, a film by Lucas Moodyson. Yeah, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh, we watch it. Russian Doll TV series. You love Rose Garlic. Oh, man, I could have talked to you the whole fucking hour about Rose Garlic. Uh, chess, the game, not the musical. <laughs> and then uh, chess, the musical, not the game. Weird. Okay. Uh, you could have just saved us all time there. Birds with wings of yeah. by God. Yeah. Or a false. Oh, yes. Don't you don't have to concentrate on any of that. I'm glad we didn't talk about any of that. Oh, okay. no. It's just lovely shooting. It would have been. Are you looking forward to the film, The Sister Brothers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it will probably be disappointing. Very good casting, though, um, I think. I know. Very really good. good. And we're gonna we're gonna finish on your favourite uh, song. Oh, okay. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I think I've been swayed. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.